This is Hashtag History, episode 66. I'm Rachel. And I'm Leah. And where do we even start with this one? I don't know. Yeah. You all can read the show title, and there is just so much to cover here. I think this is a topic that many, many people are familiar with, even if only because you've watched Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Which, hey, (laughs) 300 times over here, um, Sebastian Stan. And the little that I have seen of the Marvel movies, I I can recognize and acknowledge that love. Yeah. Just just little, little bits I've seen. And you may even need to remind me kind of throughout this episode what all the MKUltra references are in the Marvel movies, because I only briefly remember myself i'll have to if as we're going through the story maybe i can be like oh yeah that's like this but okay. to be honest i don't okay. know exactly okay so to sum it up mk ultra was a project operated by the united states central intelligence agency or the cia in which they performed illegal experiments on oftentimes unknowing human subjects by using drugs like lsd electroshock hypnosis abuse food and sleep deprivation and more (laughs) we did a little cheer more (laughs) to determine if these techniques would be useful in order to force confessions brainwash and just overall inflict horrendous psychological torture these experiments would lead to absolute psychological trauma and in at least one case death the MK Ultra project ran from 1953 to 1973 and was exposed in 1975 by the Church Committee and the United States President's Commission on CIA Activities, but only after an incredible journalist with the New York Times began investigating the matter. So we have a lot to unpack here. Mm-hmm. So we're going to need a drink before we dive in. For sure. For sure. I'm Rachel. And I'm Leah. And this is Hashtag History, the podcast for both history nerds and history haters alike, where we dive into history's greatest stories of controversy, conspiracy, and corruption. I decided to go for a play on words this week because when I first hear MK Ultra, I can't help but for some reason think of Michelob Ultra for some reason. Uh-huh. Yep. Like that's literally the first thing my mind. Goes I love to. it. Not that I drink that. And I was going to say the same thing when I say I love it. I love that you make that reference. I don't love. I mean, I don't know if I love. I've never had it. Okay. If I'm being honest, it's apparently a really cheap, not so great beer. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> I decided to just run with the weird word association thing and picked a cocktail that actually contains Michelob Ultra in it. Love it. Yeah. So this is the green apple beer garita. Ooh, I, I like the garita part. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it contains tequila. Yum. Uh, green apple flavoring. I can smell that. Mm-hmm. Michelob Ultra. Mm-hmm. Ginger ale. Uh, and then you t- you do a little garnish of a green Granny Smith apple and then salt crystals around the rim to make it cute. It, it's very cute. Okay. It's very cute. Let's be real. We're margarita whores. <laughs> yeah. We love us some Murgies. We, we love a Rita. 
<laughs> of any kind, really. Or truly any kind. I've never met a Rita I didn't like. Yeah, and I'll even partake in beer garitas occasionally. Have yeah. you ever had one? Yes, yeah. I have. When they're presented to me, I'm not going to turn them away. Well, why would you? So I have to imagine we're going to love it. Yeah, I, I think so too. And how much of the beer is in it? Uh, between our two drinks, we have a full beer. Oh, okay. So I guess I was ho- I was semi hoping it was less than that, but okay. Yeah, no. Prepare yourself for beer. Beer. Okay. <laughs> Fun fact: Before we drink, uh-huh. Michelob was originally created in 1896 by Adolphus Bush. Um, with the intention of it being a beer for connoisseurs, that did not come to fruition. Although the Michelob beer was created in 1896, it did not see mass production until 1961 Whoa. when Anheuser-Busch produced a pasteurized version, which allowed them to legally ship the beer across state lines. And then in 2002, it released the Michelob Ultra, yes. which is a low-calorie, yes. diet-friendly, I'm using air quotes here, <laughs> beer i was hoping you were gonna get to that part because i'm like am i wrong because my only reference to it is the commercials where people are like going on a jog and then they have a light beer afterwards yes exactly this is that it, beer. it, it was selling people in the early 2000s that you could drink a beer and still be healthy okay that's what i tell myself every time we record yeah this this is fine this is fine this will be fine this is low carb this is low carb <laughs> cheers with the salt this is the best thing ever. Do you taste beer? Maybe like a tiny, teeny bit, but not really. It just tastes like green apple margarita. This is the best thing ever. I love this. I love this. Oh. I love this. Yeah. I don't know if I said that. I love this. Well, you have five more beers from the six pack that you brought over. It's staying with you. <laughs> what? The beer is staying <laughs> with you. Me, what? <laughs> But no, you want to take a couple or no, not really. You know what makes it the mm. salt rim? Mm-hmm. It does. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, it's pretty good, right? This is really good. What's your rating? Nine point mm. five. Wow. Okay, I'm happy because I was. Well, our next cocktail isn't going to be this good. <laughs> um, mine's oh, an eight point five. Why is yours a little less than mine? Um, it's just not the best drink I've ever had. Mm. You know. Mm-hmm. Speaking. Uh, remember last week for the shark attack episode that we did oh yeah that was a disappointing drink. well we talked about how that tastes like a grape jolly rancher yeah this is the oh, green, is apple green apple one. jolly rancher i'm pretty sure you're actually supposed to make it with jolly rancher green apple flavoring mm. but i oh jelly belly green apple flavoring but mm. um this is a jolly rancher i think this is a jolly rancher flavoring that i bought instead it's delicious yeah. it's amazing mm-hmm. fantastic i love it it's an 8.5 out of 10. <laughs> what I also love about it is that it's huge. We actually, the first glasses that we were putting the drink in, they, it did not fit. And we realized Barely that. fit in about, my biggest glasses. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like I just sucked down half, almost half the drink in like two minutes. And I will definitely have more than enough to get through the entire episode. <laughs> so. If you are a longtime listener of this podcast, this episode has several, several references to previous episodes, which is pretty cool getting to reference things we've learned over the course of the last almost two years of this podcast. I know. And when I was putting this together, I'm like, oh, my God, we learned about that. And we've learned about that. And we've learned about that. It was really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, So lots of references in this episode. So I say we... I was going to say, we should turn this into a drinking game. Every time I reference a previous episode, we take a drink, but we drink through the entire thing well not to mention 
it's going to be gone in a couple minutes. <laughs> so so there'll be nothing left to drink. Okay. Um, so we'll just, I don't know. Make eye contact. Make eye contact. <laughs> make Ra- awkward eye contact. Raise an eyebrow at one another. Okay. A wink. All right. There we go. So how does something like MK Ultra even begin? It's 1953 and the Korean War is nearing an end. With prisoners of war returning from Korea, China, and the Soviet Union, there were a lot of theories circulating that many of them had been brainwashed by communists and would attempt to circumvent or overthrow the United States government. Alan Dules, the recently appointed director of the CIA, made an impassioned speech in which he said, I wonder whether we clearly perceive the magnitude of the problem whether we realize how sinister the battle for men's minds has become in Soviet hands. We might call it, in its new form, brain warfare. He explained that the West was significantly behind in our understanding of brain warfare, and he made it his mission to resolve this. Just three days after he made the speech, he approved the MKUltra project. I'm sorry, it's just like you're worrying about that, but we're still not going to acknowledge PTSD. Like We're getting there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, totally. Totally. Okay. This brainwashing rhetoric had really seeped into American culture as well. And we have a few examples of it here. So kind of like what you just mentioned, many war veterans returned to America as a shell of the person they once were, which we now, of course, know this behavior was likely the result of post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD from the life-threatening experiences that they had during the war. It was a little difficult for me to get a more generalized statistic for the number of veterans that currently suffer from PTSD because these stats are all broken up by war. Mm -hmm. So my own generalization when reviewing the PTSD stats from the Iraq War, Gulf War, and Vietnam War calculates that somewhere between 11 and 30% of veterans suffer from PTSD during their lifetime. That's a pretty staggering statistic. shocking. Up to 30% suffer from PTSD. There also was an understanding at this time amongst Americans that obviously Soviets were master brainwashers because how else could so many people follow a communist system if not for being brainwashed? I know. (laughs) I know. I know. And finally, there were some contemporary literary examples that really persuaded the American public in this regard. The most famous of these was titled The Manchurian Candidate, which was a book released in 1959 and later turned into a movie in 1962 starring Frank Sinatra. Who we did an episode on. Ding, ding, ding. I actually, that isn't even one of the references, but yes, (laughs) we did talk about Frank Sinatra. Oh my God. (laughs) The plot of this story is that of a Korean war veteran from a very political American family. And the story is that he was brainwashed by communists before he returned to the United States. He ends up turning into an assassin and attempts to overthrow the government. This movie is considered a classic and really, really played into shaping the narrative of communist brainwashing during the 1950s and early 1960s. Sorry, all I could think of, we just watched Zoolander recently and that's all <laughs> I'm picturing right I now. I haven't seen that in a long time, though. Yeah, I, we just did it over the weekend. We just watched it. And if it there's just, a reference that you're pulling right now, you're going to have to remind me because I... No, it's just he gets brainwashed into killing yeah. the prime minister of Malaysia. <laughs> Yes. And I noticed you nodding during the Manchurian Candidate Part 2. Have you seen? I'd never seen it, but I've heard it. Okay. And I, I've i never had the opportunity to watch it. Because I was wondering, 
if you had maybe even seen, there was a remake done in 2004 with Lee Schreiber. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Denzel Washington and Meryl Streep. Yeah, I think that's the one I was thinking of. Because okay. when you said Frank Sinatra, I was like, huh? It's come again? What? It's what? <laughs> I still haven't seen any of them. Me neither. I think that was the one I've heard of. Yeah. So for another reference to a previous episode, I'm going to take us all the way back to season two, episode 13, in which we discussed Operation Paperclip. What do you remember about it? I remember thinking it was f***ing stupid. <laughs> yeah. I just remember being really like, really? Really, really? Really, really? This is what we're doing here? <laughs> that That's it. That's my okay. only no, that sounds, from that's it. No, that's great. So if you haven't listened to that episode or you're not familiar with Operation Paperclip, this was an operation conducted by the U.S. government in which we paid for nearly 2,000 Germans, some of which had been leaders in the Nazi party, to come to the United States and work on some of our most top secret projects. We know for a fact that some of these Nazi scientists brought to the United States have been involved in human experimentation. At the same time that the Nuremberg trials are going on in Germany, the trials that prosecuted Nazi officials for war crimes, which included absolutely heinous experiments conducted on humans within the concentration camps, the United States was recruiting some of these same officials and garnering information from them so that we could develop similar experiments here. There were several projects that led up to MKUltra, such as Project Bluebird and Project Artichoke. Excuse me? Yeah. There, so I'll tell you, I did a lot. I knew this moment was coming where you were going to say, excuse me, about Project Artichoke, correct? Correct. And so I did a lot of research to determine, like, how was that name selected? And I want to, can I just take a quick Yes, guess? please. There's, like, something about, like, layers. You have to peel back <laughs> the layers, and then there's an inner heart of this whatever oh my God. it is. Am I right? You are 50% right. Okay. You get a solid F because... <laughs> No, you get whatever you've got. You got 50 percent because I did a lot of research to determine why it was called that. No one knows for sure. 50 percent of the research said exactly what you just said. Layers. The other 50 percent was because the way these subjects were left at the end of these experiments was basically being a human vegetable. Is artichoke a vegetable? Technically. What is it? It's a flower. Is it really? Yeah. Interesting. Well, then that 50% of people <laughs> don't know <laughs> their floral. They're edible florals. They're edible florals. <laughs> but in 1953, MK Ultra began under the leadership of Sidney Gottlieb. Right up front, we should address why it was called MK Ultra. Yes, right? This is, I've never, I don't know. So it's kind of a weird and vague explanation the mk does not stand for a backwards kiwi martini or a kalua mudslide although both of those sound delicious and i would be down for that project okay the mk literally refers to which division sponsored the project in this case it was the technical services staff that sponsored the project which had the cia kryptonym of mk that's what that unit was that's what their kryptonym was so there are other unrelated CIA projects that also began with MK because they were sponsored by that unit. And then the ultra part refers to the most secret classification of World War II intelligence. Yeah. Got it. Essentially, the goal of the MK Ultra project was to find interrogation techniques like a truth serum 
for the purpose of interrogating Soviet spies. It is also alleged that perhaps another goal of MKUltra was to create someone similar to that Manchurian candidate, someone that they could wipe their mind clean of memories and would essentially become an assassin for the government. Pause. Mm. This is where I'm going to tie it to Marvel. Ready. Winter Soldier was... I need a massive reminder. So he was Captain America's best friend. Sebastian Stan. Sebastian Stan, Bucky Barnes. Bucky yes. Barnes? Yes, 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 yes. Yes. I know that. Um, I know that much. And we assume he died in World War II. Yes. We find out later in Captain America Winter Soldier that he was actually saved by Hydra, which is essentially like an offspring of Nazis. Okay. Yeah. Um, and created, turned into a Manchurian candidate. He, his mind is wiped. They freeze him and put him on ice. And then over time, just like uh, defrost him, send him out to commit um, murders. Doesn't and he also have like trigger words? Or yes, something trigger too? words. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Th- this is where they got their inspiration. Yeah, obviously. Right here. Obviously. Okay. If you are an avid podcast listener like me, I am confident that you have heard some of your favorite podcasters doing an ad for Madison Reed hair coloring. I am here to tell you that I actually use Madison Reed. I have been using Madison Reed for over a year now, and I am completely obsessed with it. To avoid the time and cost of going to a hair salon, I have long been a box dye girl. I know, I know, all of our hairdresser listeners are screaming right now, and you're totally right. After years of use, box dye completely stripped my hair of life. It was super dry and brittle and thin. And then I found Madison Reed. Madison Reed is free of ammonia, parabens, and so much more. It includes nutrients like keratin and ginseng root extract. So when I finish coloring my hair, not only is the color fantastic, but my hair actually feels good too. And it's super easy to use. You just go online to madison-reed.com, take an online quiz, and get matched to your perfect shade. The kit they send you comes with everything you will need so you won't have to make any additional trips to the store. It includes gloves, bottles, barrier cream, cleansing wipes, a protective cap, and even color-protecting shampoo and conditioner to wash out your hair with afterward. With over 55 multi-dimensional shades to choose from and kits that start at only $22, Madison Reed comes highly recommended by me personally. Head to our website now at hashtag history-pod.com, click on the promo code tab at the top of the screen, and use our link to get free shipping on your first order of Madison Reed. The objectives of the MK Ultra project were really far-reaching in a document discovered later on. It laid out the objectives of MK Ultra, and it read things like, these are some of their objectives, discovering materials which will prevent or counteract the intoxicating effect of alcohol, followed by the objective of discovering materials which will promote the intoxicating effect of alcohol. Uh, I'll take the latter, please. <laughs> That's what we're doing right now. <laughs> like we've already established, they were experimenting hardcore, throwing anything and everything at the wall and just seeing what stuck. Yeah, obviously. We've already touched on this a bit, but one of the most commonly used substances by MKUltra was LSD. 
LSD stands for lysergic acid diethylamide. It's a hallucinogen and is considered illegal by the Drug Enforcement Agency here in the United States. Effects of LSD include hallucinations, anxiety, depression, increased heart rate, changes in mood, distorted perception and sound, panic, and more. Mm. You first feel the effects of LSD generally a half an hour or so after taking it. You're hit with what is called your peak a couple of hours after that. And then the effects of it can last for 12 hours or longer, with it sometimes taking a full 24 hours to even feel normal again. Mm. A bad experience with LSD is called a bad trip, and in some cases, you can have flashbacks of this bad trip for months to years later. Yeah. The CIA tested LSD and its effects on some of the most vulnerable groups of people, oftentimes without their consent, and oftentimes when there was consent, it was coerced consent. These test subjects included the mentally ill, sex workers, students, drug addicts, patients, prisoners, and soldiers. In one absolutely horrendous case, a mental patient was given LSD for 174 days straight. Holy shit. You can't recover from that. I hadn't heard that. That's insane. (sighs) Yeah. They conducted these experiments at hospitals and universities, places like Columbia and Stanford. One such location for these experiments. This is just wild. So get ready for this. Oh, my God. Is it where I work? (laughs) Uh, no, but one of them is semi-close to us. Okay. So a project running concurrently to MKUltra was Operation Midnight Climax. <laughs> that name might make a little... The the dirty thoughts that are already going through your mind are in line. With, oh, okay. Yeah. It actually makes sense. Okay. This project was established in 1965. And if you've never heard of this project before, get ready because your mind's about to be blown because they were basically in in their efforts of experimenting with LSD. The CIA set up houses across the country, one of which was in San Francisco, California. That's the one that was close to us. Okay. Another in New York City, New York, where they would pay sex workers. So sex workers are on the CIA's payroll Mm -hmm. to lure unknowing unconsenting people back to the house where they would then be drugged with LSD. The The clients were drugged with LSD and the CIA would watch them through a two-way mirror. The unsuspecting subjects plied with LSD would reveal information and do things that they otherwise would not have done. All while a couple of CIA agents were sitting behind this mirror, swirling martinis, watching the whole X-rated thing. That's so yeah, that's like a movie. That's a movie. That's not. Real. But can you imagine getting paid for that? That's literally that's your job. That's what I'm saying. There were CIA agents paid to watch sex. Yeah, d- drug fueled sex. Sex. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And calling it research. <laughs> that's what I call our cocktails. It's just it's research, research. Obviously, we're researching. We're doing a really good job at our research, too, because yours is gone. The sex workers were paid with money and with promises that if they had future run-ins with the law, the CIA would do whatever they could to remedy the situation. I highly doubt that. Well, I think I think that they did help them out so that the sex workers would continue to help help the CIA out. Huh. The experiments went beyond just using drugs like LSD to elicit confessions. 
They also use techniques such as torture, the repeating of chants. For example, one subject had the phrase, you killed your mother, repeated over and over and over for days on end. While they were on LSD. (sighs) Yes. And there was even a sub project whose sole purpose was to cause concussions with sound waves. They would use hypnosis and make attempts to completely rid someone of all of their memories. There were also other drugs aside from just LSD used. These included cocaine, heroin, barbiturates, amphetamines, morphine, and more. Mm-hmm. There were some pretty infamous test subjects in the MK Ultra project. Ken Kesey, the author of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, he was a student at Stanford and volunteered to experiment with LSD. Grateful Dead lyricist Robert Hunter was also a student at Stanford when he volunteered to be an LSD test subject. And then if you remember from episode 44 about the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum theft episode, we mentioned notorious mobster James Whitey Bulger as being a suspect in the heist. He was also a test subject for LSD while he was a prisoner at the Atlanta Penitentiary in 1957. Here's a quote from him. He said, the room would change shape, hours of paranoia and feeling violent. We experienced horrible periods of living nightmares and even blood coming out of the walls. Guys turning to skeletons in front of me. I saw a camera change into the head of a dog. I felt like I was going insane. It's so interesting because, like, I know that others have the opposite effect where they feel like they're in flipping heaven, right? Yeah. And I'm not saying one is more common than the other. Mm -hmm. I don't know enough about it. But uh, this reminds me of, I, I remember seeing this video of this artist who like took different drugs mm. and then would do a self portrait on those drugs. That's cool. And the LSD one was so insane. Like what? It, if I remember correctly, the LSD one was like just super colorful and like out of control. Like no, it didn't look like a human being. Wow. Like it was a self portrait, but it didn't look like a human being. It, it was, it, it was weird. Other possible subjects include Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber, which we have mentioned in two previous episodes. Mm -hmm. When he was a student at Harvard, he was subject to absolutely brutal psychological torture as part of a voluntary study he had joined and later claimed was part of the MKUltra project. One other theorized subject was Sirhan Sirhan, the man charged with assassinating Robert F. Kennedy, which we talked about in episode 18. If you will recall from that episode, he said several times that he didn't remember killing Kennedy. He didn't know why he would have killed Kennedy. It has been alleged that perhaps MK Ultra had drugged him and he had committed the assassination as a result of the mind controlling drug. Out of all of them, I feel like that one's kind of a stretch. But I mean, I think he's just was lying. <laughs> yeah, I, that that case is so freaking crazy. If you guys want to hear more about that, we covered the whole thing. All the conspiracies and everything in our episode, uh, episode 18, about the RFK assassination. Sometimes these experiments were conducted on CIA agents, too. Again, some knowingly and some entirely unknowingly. Sometimes they would drop some LSD in an agent's morning coffee. And by that afternoon, he was running in circles screaming about the boogeyman. Oh, my gosh. One such agent was a man named Frank Olson. Olson had been a captain in the U.S. Army, working on some of the most secretive bioweapons projects during World War II. Following this position, he began working with the CIA. In late 1953, he was invited on a little retreat with other CIA scientists and some Army scientists. 
Partway through the trip, everyone's drinking when someone asks the group if they are feeling odd. It was then revealed that their drinks have been spiked with LSD. Like, why? That's, that, I can't even think of the word for it. Just, like, total betrayal. Well, not to mention, I feel like, I feel like some people that were working in this project were using it as an excuse to, like, f*** with people. No, absolutely. They, they wanted to laugh at them and they wanted to make fun of them and just see what their reactions and their responses would be i completely agree with that yeah and then it's justified because oh it was my job and let me just write down what happened here yeah that's it's it's so messed up like this this really bothers me like if you would put something in my drink tonight like to be honest like we're not friends anymore like if you had put something in my drink and i had a really really bad experience from it you betrayed me that's hurtful that's not okay yeah Olsen, this this CIA agent that's invited on this trip, he was pissed. He had such a bad trip that evening that it stayed with him for days later. When he returned home to his family, his wife said he wasn't acting like himself. She asked him what was wrong, and he told her he had made a mistake. That was it. It was super vague. I made a mistake. Who knows what this mistake might have been. Assuming he even did actually make a mistake, perhaps he revealed information that he shouldn't have while he was drugged had he made a fool of himself at this retreat he did mention to his wife that his colleagues had laughed at him while he was high so distraught over whatever this possible mistake was when he returned to the office shortly thereafter he told his boss he wanted to quit but was advised against it when days later he still couldn't sleep still couldn't eat still couldn't perform his job properly the higher up sent him to new york city to be examined by a doctor It should come as no surprise that this doctor was in no way qualified to assist with Olson's psychological issues. From the majority of the research I did, it sounds like this doctor was an allergist. What the hell? Yeah. But he was familiar with the MKUltra project and was on the CIA's buddy list. Okay. Mm -hmm. They probably doped him up too at one point. (laughs) Following Olson's appointment with the doctor, some of his colleagues picked him up and headed to the airport to return home. But along the drive, Olson said he didn't want to go home to his family. He said he felt too ashamed. Like, he's really going through it. He's going through it. He's going through it. This is days and days after his bad trip. Yeah. And it's affecting him so much that he feels ashamed to even go home to his wife and kids. Right? Okay, that's really sad. It's so sad. And I'm sad. sure this is not a singular incident. I'm sure this probably happened to a lot of the people that they tortured and Absolutely. Subjected, subjected to this. Absolutely. Especially someone that like you go into the office and it's in your morning coffee. Yeah. That is so wrong. So they decided to stay another night at the Statler Hotel, now called the Pennsylvania Hotel in New York, and they discussed the possibility of Olson checking into a psychiatric institution. At 2 a.m. the following morning, Olson jumped I was, out. I knew that was coming. Yeah. He jumped out the hotel window and plummeted to his death on the sidewalk below. This was only nine days after that retreat when his drink had been laced with LSD. If you've watched Wormwood on Netflix, have you watched it? Never even heard of it. Um, it's it's all about this Frank Olson guy. Okay. It's very good. It's it's a documentary. And in that documentary, Olson's son really goes into depth about this supposed jump from the window because in the way he describes it, it's not really possible to jump out of a window at this hotel. It's not like in the movies where someone's, you know, standing on the ledge outside the window before making the decision to jump. There was no ledge outside the window. So in order to jump out of the window, you had to make that decision from 
inside of the room and essentially dive through the glass to get out. Mm. He also addressed the fact that it was a two paneled window. So there was like a bar that Mm. went through the center. So in order to dive out the window, you had to be in a horizontal position. Hmm. Yeah. All of this led the Olsen family to speculate that Olsen had actually been murdered rather than having died by suicide. It was known that he was a security risk at this point. Disillusioned with the CIA and the MK Ultra project. Remember that he had tried to resign just days before his death. When his family had his body exhumed in 1994, the forensic pathologist examining the body announced that his findings were highly suspicious. Mm. He purported that the body had no lacerations, which would be expected of someone that had gone through glass. And there was also a mark on the front of his skull that resembled a blow. In his words, Dr. Olson was struck a stunning blow to the head by some person or instrument prior to his exiting the window of room 1018A. I think Frank Olson was intentionally, deliberately, with malice aforethought, thrown out of that window. So did the CIA kill Olson? <sighs> Regardless of whether he was murdered, it is obvious that his being drugged with LSD directly resulted in his eventual death. Yes. MK Ultra was coming to an end as the CIA realized that the use of LSD simply was not producing consistently successful results. We kind of talked about this earlier as with most psychedelics the user's response is not always the same sometimes you have a good trip sometimes you have a very very bad trip for the most part the results were unpredictable and did not achieve what the agency was looking for shocker (laughs) now while we do know a decent amount of information about mk ultra there is so much that we do not know and this is because in 1973 cia director richard helms ordered for the mk ultra records to be destroyed I love this little part here because it's like so typical of just standard office operations. But there were some 20,000 MK Ultra documents that had been stored in the incorrect locations. So those are the ones that survived the mass destruction. Again, I just love that someone misfiled documents and that's why we know anything about MK Ultra yeah. today. Because it's so typical, right? Yeah, well, like, yes. It literally happens every day in the office I work in. Dang like, it. Cheryl. Where did Cheryl file that shit again? Like every day. <laughs> These documents would be revealed as the result of a 1974 Freedom of Information Act request and then a subsequent article published in the New York Times by investigative journalist Seymour Hirsch. In his article, he revealed to the American public that the CIA had conducted drug experiments on non-consenting individuals, both in the United States and in Canada. And in Canada. And in Canada. Think of the time period here. We are only a little more than a year after the Watergate scandal. Nixon has resigned and American distrust in the U.S. government is at an all-time high. For show. For show, for show. In response to this, President Gerald Ford, in an effort to be open and transparent with the American public, or, you know, as open and transparent as he was willing to be, had the United States President's Commission on CIA Activities established to investigate all CIA illegal activities, which, of course, included MKUltra. This commission was led by Vice President Nelson Rockefeller. There was also another committee called the Church Committee, named after Senator Frank Church, that investigated illegal government activity on a broader scale by also looping in review of the FBI and other U.S. intelligence agencies. 
In what is oftentimes referred to as the Rockefeller Report, the Church Committee and the United States President's Commission on CIA Activities revealed that the CIA had indeed conducted these experiments on unconsenting subjects. Similar to my experience in trying to put together this episode, the commission had a difficult time locating much information as so much of it had been destroyed. As part of their investigation, they interviewed Sidney Gottlieb, whom we mentioned way early on in the episode as the head of the MK Ultra project. He told the commission he just couldn't remember much about the project. Okay, Sydney. Yeah. All right, Sydney. But they'd located enough. In 1975, President Gerald Ford issued an executive order on intelligence activities, which stated that, here's a quote from the text, experimentation with drugs on human subjects that had not given their consent was illegal. It was only after this information was revealed that the Olson family learned that their father had been part of the MK Ultra project and that that was what had led to his death. So just thinking of that, like, this is at least two decades later that the Olson family is actually learning what really happened so to their husband and father. Like, it's, they just assumed, they just didn't know. No, they didn't know. They, they were told he had jumped out of a window. Yeah. And that he was acting weird. The few days following this, like, retreat that he went on. That's all they knew. It's wrong. Following this revelation, the Olson family began the process of suing the, the CIA for wrongful death, but was paid off in an out-of-court settlement that originally had agreed upon $1.25 million, but it ended up being 750000 Along with the settlement, the family signed a document stating that they would never bring another claim against the agency about Frank Olson's death, regardless of what information they would later learn. Oh. This is why, decades later, when the Olson family would exhume their father's body and learn that this death may have actually been murder, they were unable to file suit. I just, like, if, if that is being asked of you, you need to question, why is this being asked of me? Like, why are they saying, I will never again pursue any sort of legal action yep if you give me this money like no i i'm i'm 100 with you and when if you watch wormwood on netflix they talk about that a lot that it was it was difficult within the family right you have a grieving wife and you have grieving children that were like really young when this happened and they kind of all disagreed like the wife of Frank Olson felt like, can we just put this behind us? Like, just accept the money and move on. Yeah. Uh, and some of the children were like, no, like, we want to keep pursuing this. We don't want to sign this document because what if we learn something more in the future? And it, it just, it created a lot of family conflict. And I can only imagine how traumatic this whole thing was for them. I'm sure. To me, one of the most disgusting parts of this whole thing comes from a legal standpoint. Following the Nuremberg trials that we mentioned earlier, the Nuremberg Code was established, which basically laid out the ground rules for conducting human experiments. Some of these rules include that voluntary consent must be met, experiments should avoid physical or mental harm, that the risk should never exceed the benefit, that subjects should be able to end their participation whenever they wished, and so on. The MK Ultra project was a direct violation of the Nuremberg Code that the U.S. had accepted following World War II. So go watch Wormwood and Captain America. <laughs> and then try to tell us how the U.S. is better than everyone else. I thought you were going to say, and then avoid the LSD kids. Well, yeah, that too. Avoid the LSD. I highly recommend not taking LSD. I highly re recommend not partaking. <laughs> Do not. Just have a cocktail. Yeah. Have a cocktail There's instead. There's plenty of other legal things you can do. 
to augment your reality <laughs> if you so wish <laughs> love that Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Hashtag History. All sources used to put together this episode can be found on our website at hashtaghistory-pod.com. Subscribe to us on whatever podcast platform you use. Subscribing to a, a podcast, it means a lot because it gives us those automatic downloads. It shows us that you're listening and loving the podcast. So please do that and then share about uh, the podcast with your family, your friends. Give us a rate and review over on Apple Podcasts and we would adore you forever, we actually. Would. We really would, actually. We would. And then be sure to check us out on Instagram at hashtag history underscore podcast. And then come join us over on Patreon. We are having so much fun over there for only a dollar a month. You can support our books and booze supply. You get access to behind the scenes content. We have bonus hashtag hangout episodes that we're doing that are really fun. They're so fun. They're really, I actually really get fun. really excited every time they get posted on Fridays. I'm like, oh. I, I love when they get posted because I love seeing everyone's comments. responses and comments. They're so great. Yeah. And then also, if you join our Patreon, we mail you cards and stickers. So it's just an all around good time. It's a good time. It's a good time. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Went with the high harmony. <laughs> we kind of talk. Sorry. Sometimes my house feels like it's falling down. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> I guess I need a drink. <laughs> I guess so. MY MY Ultra. Yeah. You see that? My Ultra. My my, my Ultra. <laughs> D stands for diethylamide. Lysergic acid diethylamide. It's a hallu- <laughs> I can't say it. I can't say hallucinogen. That's right, right? Hallucinogen. Yeah. yeah. MK Ultra began to come to began to come to, began to come to an end. That doesn't make sense. Began to come to an end? All right. But can you put that in the same sentence? Began and end in the same sentence. Began Can you say that an end began? It began to end. End. <laughs> See, it doesn't make sense. Parse. Parse. Oh my. You drank it. That's you finally. That's what happened. Yeah. Now I've caught up. Must be melt. Melt. Mouth. Must be melt. Must be melt. <laughs> <laughs>